Hello and welcome to This is Integral, where we explore what is integral to the health and well-being of our community. My name is Ann Nagelkirk and I'm the Director of Communications at Integral Care. Today we're discussing our recent community forum on rebuilding health and well-being after trauma. It was a great session. We had a wonderful panel of experts, including representation from Austin Child Guidance Center, Steve Hicks School of Social Work, Dell Medical School, and a survivor of PTSD who courageously shared her story. The panel has experience working with children, veterans, and their families, and they shared resources that support their recovery. Supporting recovery of adults and children who've experienced direct and indirect trauma truly is integral to the health of our community. I'm excited to introduce two leaders at Integral Care, Dr. Kathleen Casey, Director of Clinical Innovation and Development, and David West, one of our Integrated Care Clinic Managers and a Licensed Therapist. Both have been instrumental in spearheading trauma-informed care at Integral Care. Welcome, Kathleen and David. Thanks, Anne, and thanks for the opportunity to recap the forum. It was an amazing turnout from the community, and I think an important barometer for the community's interest and investment in understanding trauma and, and how to help others. We were privileged to have some expert speakers locally, and we talked quite a bit about how to connect people to resources. And I think individuals who attended this forum really walked away with some concrete guidance on how to help themselves or others who might be experiencing traumatic effects. Absolutely. Thank you, Anne. It's, a, it's such a pleasure to be a part of this work. Trauma has such a profound and wide-reaching impact, which is why this trauma forum was such a, an important step in the right direction. So why do you think it was so important for Integral Care to do a community forum focused on trauma? Well, we know from research that the impact of trauma is highly prevalent. It's, it really affects all of us, whether that's directly or indirectly. Um, we know there's man-made and natural events such as hurricanes, gun violence, war, child abuse. Virtually no one's untouched by some level of trauma. And without addressing the impact of trauma, there can be very, very negative long-term health and mental health impacts. Emotional support is really paramount for healing and for overall health and well-being for the individual directly impacted and for those around them that love and care about them. You know, I thought that the forum was really such an important step forward for Integral Care as an organization that we really had the opportunity to reach out to our community partners and to our community as a whole and emphasize just, you know, the extent to which trauma has an impact on, on all of us potentially. Um, it's so important that we have a time to kind of stop and, and really hear from some experts and then hear some lived experience and raise our awareness. And that begins to shift our, our perspective, I believe, on how prevalent trauma is across our, our community. So we pulled some clips from our panelists. So let's take a listen to those. And um, Kathleen, let's start with one of your favorites from um, Dr. Bora. Yes, let's start with Dr. Elisa Bora. Uh, Dr. Bora works closely with veterans and their families who experience trauma. And at the forum, she highlighted a new therapy that involves both the veteran and their partner. So imagine that you send your husband or wife or partner up off to um, war. Never, they have never been exposed to any kind of trauma or combat or risk of life. And then they come home and develop PTSD. So imagine living with a person who didn't have any of those symptoms before they were deployed, and then they come home often described as a different person. 
And it, come, it takes time often for the service member and the spouse to recognize that this person is not the person that left. And we hear that statement a lot, that this is a different person. But a new treatment that I wanted to mention that, we, that we're using is working with the couple. So an individual has PTSD, a, a veteran or a service member, and we bring the couple in with the spouse and the individual. And it's called cognitive behavioral conjoint therapy. It's rooted in CPT and PE, the curriculum and the protocol that's used. But the exposure and um, homework is what we like to call it, that the couple engages in really helps to reduce uh, symptoms of PTSD. So you heard Val talking about her the trip to the museum for veterans or individuals, anyone with PTSD. And what we do with exposure therapy that we always talk about is expose them to things that they're normally avoiding. Even though we don't think those are dangerous situations, the, the PTSD makes them think they are in danger. But the more they expose themselves to an experience that they thought was scary and harmful, and then they get through it okay, on the other end, they that serves to reduce their symptoms and they cognitively understand that, oh, okay, I was able to go to the movie with my spouse, and I survived that, and I was able to leave and be safe, and I didn't have to patrol, I didn't have to bring my gun, I didn't have to you know, get up halfway and check on the doors. And th that's, those are the kinds of beliefs that someone with PTSD has going into a movie theater, so they don't go. And so you can imagine the relationship between two married individuals suffers when the person with PTSD can't spend quality time with their spouse or with their children because the symptoms are getting in the way. So what this therapy does is it encourages them to take those baby steps and you know maybe they've been avoiding the soccer field because it feels really open and exposed to some kind of attack. But if they can get out there for 15 minutes or they come at the end of the game and, and tell the kid, you know, you did a great job, whatever it is, those baby steps really make a huge difference. And so what this therapy does is incorporates the family in that experience. So I appreciate Dr. Bora explaining kind of the universal experience of anxiety or fear and the natural reaction to avoid it. We know clearly that the way to overcome any anxiety, particularly those more profound stressors involved in uh, the wake of a trauma, really exposing yourself to whatever the triggers are is the central mechanism of change. With therapeutic support, an individual is able to incrementally confront those stressors in a way that allows them to safely recover. It's important that individuals recognize what's happening to their loved one. The person experiencing that kind of post-traumatic experience often doesn't fully understand what's happening. We know that trauma and chronic stress really can disconnect emotions from reason. So insight is compromised and a person is acting in a fear-based fight, flight, or freeze sort of state of mind. Um, individuals in the community, people close to that person who might recognize those early signs and symptoms can connect the person to the needed therapy. So what I hear from Dr. Bohr really is a message that there is hope, uh, that we've come such a long way in terms of treatment in general. Just this idea that one person goes off to war and, and another comes back. You know, historically, that other person who comes back may not have had the opportunities that that we're discussing and, and have been able to identify now. 
Let's take a listen to Dr. Valerie Rosen. And so Dr. Rosen works with individuals who have experienced PTSD and talks about the impact of PTSD in first responders and mental health professionals where it's most evident. If we think about prevalence rate of PTSD in the general population, it's about 8% of folks will experience PTSD. And when you look at first responders, depending on which article you read, it's somewhere between 15 to 20%. Um, it's a lot higher, and we actually think that's underreported because many uh, folks who are therapists or first responders like police officers, firefighters, don't report because they feel it might hurt their job. Um, many departments do not have good mental health resources in-house, so it's hard to get treatment. And even if they have awesome in-house resources, people don't want to go there because they think if they're honest, it may hurt their job as well. So first responders are folks that we should be extra careful about. If you are a therapist or mental health professional yourself and you deal with clients that have a lot of trauma, we recommend, sorry, that's my pager. Um, we recommend that you have folks that you can curbside consult, be able to vent with, or have your own psychotherapy to help process some of those things too. And with first responders, I think a lot of times uh, in treatment, it's not their job that suffers, but it's often their family that suffers because sometimes they can hold it together enough to do their work, but then at home, that's where you see the anger or the irritability. I think Dr. Rosen's commentary on the prevalence of PTSD really resonated with the participants in the forum. Uh, the group was comprised of quite a number of first responders, most predominantly mental health therapists. And integral care has increasingly recognized the need to put systems in place across our organization and across the community to help recognize the stressors every day that first responders encounter and the disproportionate rates of PTSD. We know with any mental health conditions, the earlier you can intervene, the better the outcomes. So whereas we might not be able to completely prevent post-traumatic stress disorder in first responders, we can certainly make every effort to intervene as early as possible to normalize help-seeking behaviors Often first responders are embedded in a culture that resists recognizing their own needs because they're focused almost exclusively on those they're, they're serving. Recognizing that it's common to experience stress on the job and one is more at risk of prolonged stress and in fact trauma from their occupation um, really makes it imperative that organizations like integral care, like the police department, like other mental health providers really take care of their own workforce, if for no other reason than to better serve those they're uh, dedicated to serving. So we also heard from Louise, a post-traumatic stress disorder survivor. I thought her story was particularly impactful. She described losing three family members to suicide. She also communicates the power of therapy to aid somebody in their recovery. I believe so strongly in therapy and in supporting individuals, and I encourage people to go to therapy all the time, even when they can look, you know, my, my nephew's girlfriend said, how would that help me? I mean, I'm 23, what do, I'm, I'm a nurse, I don't need therapy. And I'm like, 
coping skills. You need, you need a toolkit. It's going to get harder, not easier as you get older. And I have the same converse, types of conversations with my 90-year-old mother-in-law who just had her first bout of anxiety. And every single therapy that I ever paid attention and took in for myself and helped myself through, I get to, to share it, not pretending that I'm a professional. I simply say, I'm sharing with you nothing that I read. I've lived it. And if you believe in me or if there's something about me that resonates with you, know that that's just what I'm trying to share with you and trying to encourage you so you can have a better life and so you can enjoy things more the same way I, I try every single day to do that. I think Louise's story and her message was just so powerful. Uh, I, I know that everybody in the room really you know, could feel what she had been through and her message really resonated. And that message is really a message of hope and that there is a way forward in spite of all of the things that one can experience in life. I agree, David. I thought Louise's story was so powerful in communicating the message that you're not alone, that there are effective treatments out there, and having somebody like Louise so poignantly and courageously communicate her story of lived experience uh, really, really can help people. And she described that's why she she shares her story. Uh, The number one reason people often do not seek treatment is they fundamentally don't believe that effective treatments are out there. So someone like Louise with a lived experience that has so bravely overcome uh, many of her traumas through the assistance of therapy communicates a powerful message to those in need. And last but not least, here's something from Shauna Crosby, our expert on child trauma. Shauna talked about the adverse childhood experiences or ACEs study, which surveyed 17,000 about the traumatic experiences in childhood, 65% have experienced at least one trauma. What was surprising in the study was how many people have experienced more than one traumatic event. People who had experienced or endorsed four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 adverse childhood experiences had a higher risk of developing negative health outcomes, both in childhood but also in adulthood. So one example is um, if you have an A score of six or more, your life expectancy, the projected amount of time that your beautiful feet will be on this planet, is projected to be cut short by 20 years. It's huge. And that's why we say that trauma is not just a mental health issue, but it's a physical health issue too. I, I appreciated Shauna really highlighting the ACEs study because it was truly groundbreaking. Not only did it study vast numbers of people and revealed really shocking rates of traumatic events in those people's lives, what's important to really understand is that wasn't necessarily a representative sample. That was comparatively a more privileged sample. Very few minorities, college-educated, employed, had health insurance. What about those without those privileges? What is the likelihood that they had even more traumatic events? That ACEs study is now the foundation for much of healthcare in addressing, especially early on in children, the potential for trauma to be affecting children's behaviors and health outcomes. Shana also talked about how trauma can take on many different faces in kids. It can look like all sorts of different things. So if you were to ask a clinician, what does trauma look like? They would sit and talk to you about post-traumatic stress disorder. And they would talk about avoidance and intrusive thoughts, 
um, possibly having nightmares, and all of that can be true. Um, but it looks different on different kids. So some kids can present as being really um, hyperactive, impulsive, um, speak out. It can look like dis disrespectful behavior. Um, or it can look like the kid who sits in the back of the classroom with his hoodie over his head and is not interacting with anyone. So when we do trainings in the community, we really advise people that, yes, post-traumatic stress disorder um, can result or can look like trauma, but it also can look like lots of different things. Um, in younger kids, it tends to look like a lot of regressive behavior, um, like a child who is potty trained starts wetting the bed. That's not to say that kids that wet the bed have experienced trauma, but it can be one symptom. In older kids, they tend to engage in more high-risk behaviors, um, like having multiple sexual partners, engaging in self-injury, or um, attempting to take their own lives. So it's really important that you know that we don't pigeonhole kids um, into this is exactly what post-traumatic stress disorder looks like. It can look like an entire spectrum of symptoms, including a kid who's really perfectionistic and does really well in school. You know, so much of what stands out to me from that is is really just how far we've come as a society, but also how far we have to go. And the notion of behaviors that might come across as disrespectful or impulsive, when we think about those sorts of behaviors, the idea of not really fitting into some sort of box of how we quote unquote should be behaving really stands out. And I think we're developing an understanding of the impact of trauma in a way that really has an impact on how children will be treated going forward. I appreciate Shauna discussing the importance of really looking with through the lens of potential trauma as we interpret children's behavior. For pediatricians, school teachers, parents, and the community at large to recognize, especially youth who come from high crime areas, areas that have a lot of gang activity, the potential for those children and youth to experience high rates of chronic stress can largely be associated with what we interpret as disciplinary problems. The school-to-prison pipeline is a really tragic example of misattributing disciplinary issues for uh, children having difficulty staying in their seat, maybe acting out as behavioral problems because they're just not willing to follow school rules, when the reality is that high, high chronic stress really shifts the brain chemistry in a way that those youth need assistance with coping with their daily stressors and help and assistance with being able to perform in school and not instead penalizing them and putting them at risk for long-term problems in work and personal lives and the ability to pursue higher education, etc. Thank you so much, David and Kathleen. I want to take a few minutes to talk about trauma-informed care at Integral Care and why it's such an important part of our approach to client care. David has really led our efforts in becoming a trauma-informed care organization, looking at every level of our organization's approach to serving individuals who very, very likely experienced one or more traumatic events in their life. David, you always talk about uh, this notion of a universal precaution approach to trauma. Can you, can you explain that? 
Absolutely, Kathleen. I think that when we think of universal precautions in general, we tend to think of that in relation to uh, medical, you know, realities and medical precautions in general. That you know, when when we go to the doctor's office, they're going to put on gloves, right? If they're having coming into contact, or they might wear a mask if there's some need to or indication. Uh, the doctor doesn't necessarily know that there's any risk inherently, but they take universal precautions. So they recognize that there could be some potential for something to be transmitted in some way. So we recognize with trauma-informed care and through trauma-informed care that nearly 90% of our population have experienced one or more form of trauma in their life. So what that really translates into is an issue that needs to be addressed at every level, which really is a culture change throughout our organization. And that culture change can involve things like, you know, providing some form of cutting edge therapy, uh, all the way down to looking at what our environment of care actually feels like when a person walks in. And we know that that really sets a tone. So we've had over the past two and a half years, eight different work groups and a couple of committees all focused on moving our organization in a trauma informed direction. Organizations often talk about customer service in service to the bottom line, in service to profits. If people are ha happy with your products, if people are happy with your services, they will come back and that can make your organization whole. Integral Care and other mental health providers are embracing customer service but through a very different lens and that lens specifically is trauma-informed care. If you think about somebody struggling with a mental illness, a substance use disorder, an intellectual developmental disability, taking two buses to come to seek out therapy. That first person that greets them at the door, if they're greeted with a warm smile and clear guidance, a warm handoff to a therapist or someone to serve them, it makes a world of difference in engaging them and helping them through their recovery versus a frown, a dismissal and potentially triggering that person who's experienced trauma, shutting them down and diminishing their ability to either follow through with their appointment or experience the full benefit of that session. Something I wanted to bring up was um, support for people who've experienced trauma secondhand. Um, what I mean by that is we turn the news on and we see um, families who've been impacted by a hurricane or we're watching families who've been impacted by a school shooting. And as community members, we feel so much for these people who are going through this terrible experience. We have empathy for them, but we also start to put ourselves in their, in their shoes as parents, as friends. So how can we help people who are going through that experience? And I'm glad you raised that issue. We recognize almost every day in the news coverage, there's some footage of a natural disaster, a hurricane or a flood, uh, gu gun violence, um, other assaults. While individuals want to stay informed, it's critically important to limit exposure to that news coverage for yourself and for your children because we know it impacts you and it can impact you negatively over time. If you are feeling unduly stressed, you're experiencing the signs and symptoms of, of stress and trauma that we've, we've talked about here and recapped in our forum, it's important that you reach out for help. Uh, talk to a friend, reach out to a professional if needed. So before we go, I wanna make sure we share some integral care resources for the community. If you've experienced trauma or need some support, you can 
call our 24-7 crisis helpline at 512-472-HELP or 4357. We have mental health professionals who are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, ready to provide immediate emotional support. We also have a walk-in mental health urgent care clinic, psychiatric emergency services at 1165 Airport Boulevard, and there's more information on our website at integralcare.org. Integral Care also offers the community Mental Health First Aid, which is a one-day class that teaches attendees how to identify signs and symptoms of an individual who might be experiencing a mental health issue or mental health crisis. Uh, this class is free to the community, and you can register at integralcare.org MHFA. So thank you so much, David and Kathleen, for joining us today and sharing your time and insight into this very important topic. Uh, Understanding the impact of trauma and the importance of community-based services and programs that support people in recovery truly is integral to the health of our community. Thank you so much for joining us.